92.3 FM. Inspiration 92.3 FM. afternoon and welcome to I would say usually another Sunday's programming of wellness half hour but today's program is not another usual programming because we're going a bit extra we're taking on some major issues as we often do and this time we're bringing on quite a number of guests both live and through the power of zoom our topic on wellness half hour which will blend right into Sony Irabo Live is the WHO, the World Health Organization, and the International Health Regulations, IHR. Many of us are unaware of this, what it means, so we'll do our best to break it down, have you understand why it's been brewing over time, and connect some dots with other issues that have gone on. For the first hour, we'll focus on IHR. We have two extremely knowledgeable doctors who will be with us. One of them, Dr. Asuzu, a professor of, or retired professor of public health, has been following the WHO developments for over 30 to 50 years, for a long while and we'll put it into awesome perspective. We have Dr. Ide, who is brilliantly up to date on all the fine details. You know, when people hide things in very fine print so you can't so miss it, Dr. Ide picks it up. She picks it up quickly and brings her all of our attention. So, connecting the dots, what does it mean, WHO, IHR, where on Zoom, we have a couple of folks who are logging in on Zoom. So just give us a moment as folks log on and we'll gradually introduce them. Okay, um, my name is Sonny Rabo, and I'm <laughs> going to say I'm already seeing uh, Professor Asuzu, Michael Asuzu, you know, waiting for us there. But yeah, okay, he's uh, sorted himself out and we're going to put him on air very soon, you know, and um, also. Just to say that as my colleague, Dr. Patrick Ijewe, he's a medical doctor. I'm doctor of toxicology. He's doctor of medicine. So, as he said, you know, it's a, it's a flow from Wellness Half Hour into Sunny Rabot Live. And um, we're going to talk serious issues regarding WHO regulations, the IHR. I don't know what that yes. means, doctor. What does that mean, doctor? International Health Regulations. International Health Regulations. Okay, because Dr. Asuzu is already on, and we need to put him on air so that we can hear his voice as well. So, um, Dr. Asuzu, I'll be with you. We'll be with you uh, shortly. Our engineer is just trying to make sure that you will be heard on radio as well. So, 
he's trying to make sure that everything is well put in place but talking about who and who is the a world health organization to the ordinary ordinary man in the street does it really concern us does it doctor it does not in a sort of cloudy way it doesn't but truly it does when you look at the events of the last couple of years the calling the pandemic more or less western countries to flow in this in the pandemic the lockdowns and many other steps that were put in place who came right to our doorstep they came right into our face our front they came right into our homes okay i mean as a doctor who as a, as a physician who took care of a lot of clients we saw the demise during the lockdown pandemic during the covid pandemic and the lockdown yes mm-hmm. folks who are very social elderly folks who went out a lot suddenly were restricted to their homes the lack of movement, lack of social interaction had a negative impact on them significantly. So WHO does have an impact right into our homes. If you think of them as a nebulous entity somewhere in Europe, in Switzerland, or wherever you think they are, they actually have impact right down to the grassroots level. Well, that means they are important. Huge. Really important. United Nations. Well, and then it's this organization, the its mother organization, the United Nations, hmm. also, yes, very important. So their policies and regulations will naturally affect individual country members? Yes. And that in turn flows down to the ordinary member of the country or citizen of the country. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how to say it, but it sounds like a good idea to me. I grew up with it being a good idea or uh-huh. thinking of it as a good idea. I grew up with it. I'm just ha- having this very nice image of WHO. Even looking forward to working or doing some work with WHO. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but soon after, during the pandemic. <laughs> I saw a whole other side of international health that became, was very disturbing. I think it took the whole world by surprise when they suddenly we realized that the whole idea of uh, vaccination was then I knew that vaccination actually took years to develop, nurture, and mature to the point that it can be applied for human use. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm fancy coming a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Sonny, <laughs> this vaccination issue, there, uh, there's, there's a lot of history behind inoculation, inoculation, where you introduce certain foreign particles or similar foreign particles into the human body mm. to trigger a response about a couple of years ago i read about someone called onesimus who was an african slave in the america an enslaved african mm-hmm. in the americas mm-hmm. who apparently introduced inoculation inoculation as a way to vaccinate people against i think it was then smallpox and so his creditor has been the one of the first people to introduce that concept into the americas mm. now i know in many african cultures including in our edo culture Mm. There are certain traditional healers who created potions against snake bites, for instance. Yeah. And if you look at how they did it and how they gave it to the the, um, the farmers and the hunters, Mm. that's a form of inoculation of vaccination. When I I think back to my grandparents' time, when we go to the village, 
before we travel out, grandma will call us, take us certain places, and they do certain things to us. Right? When I look back, that's a form of inoculation also. <laughs> so it's not a purview of WHO or it's not we've had it African African scientists in our traditional ways have had this knowledge for the longest time. Just the same way, you know, when I saw an advertorial that said that a video actually that said that um uh, it's a leaf which is a purely African and tropical plant and very medicinal. How we depended on it so much. I was so shocked. I said, so these people, they just they borrow from us. Then we we'll come and they come and sell it back to us. Ah, well, okay. Right. Yeah. Um Dr. Professor Michael Asuzu is a can you introduce him while we wait for him to speak? I will give a very simple line introduction, but when he comes on, yes, there's a lot more he has done that even I'm just learning about. Mm. Each time I hear him speak in a seminar or group, I learn so much about the depth of his, his roots in our academic system, in our public health system, in the international public health system. arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I know him as a professor of public health. Mm. Um, he was a pioneer um, in the faculty mm. at the University of Ibadan. But he's, he's known globally. He's on so many international um, boards and, and committees. Simply out, outstanding. So I'm going to appeal to him when he comes on to just give us a little bit of that, that depth so we appreciate how blessed we are as a people. Yes. How blessed we are in the academic zone. And how how Erudite, how is how the founding fathers of our institutions, Ibadan, University of Ife, Unsuka, Zaria, the effort and the, they went to build manpower to come and run and man these spaces and set the bedrock right. Mm. 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 Tremendous. Professor Suzu is out of that. I think we are gradually okay. That excellence. Yes. All right. So, Dr. Suzu. Oh, Professor Asuzu, well, you are both professor and doctor, so whichever one I will call you. Um, okay, Dr. Asuzu, how are you, sir? Can you unmute yourself and speak? I'm unmuted. Okay, good. I, we can hear you loud and clear. <laughs> You're welcome, yes. sir. You're welcome. So, we were, you, we, we were trying to introduce you. I, I was asking, I was drilling Dr. <laughs> Patrick Hijewiri. To let me know okay. or let us know about you more about you and uh, yeah he did a good account give a good account of himself uh for on your behalf but please tell us more about you well my name is michael my father's name is asu oh it's asuzu yeah, i love that <laughs> thank you for the correction Yes, in my in my language, two balls don't stay together. The stronger ball will swallow the softer uh, one. So it's actually S-O-U-Z-U, but U is stronger than O, so it swallows yeah. it up. So it's spelled okay. as S-U-Z-U. Okay. But it's pronounced as Asus. Asuzu. Okay. <laughs> I've learned something new today. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, I'm, a retired, I'm a retired professor of disciplinary public health and community medicine at the College of Medicine, University of Ibadan. 
retired. You don't look retired. Well, I, well, I, lo- I love your gray hair, but you look so uh, youthful. Uh, okay. Wait a <laughs> Yes. Well, I am, um, you know, in the in the uh, university medical schools when you teach you also an honorary consultant yeah okay. the teaching hospital so i was also a clinical epidemiologist community and occupational physician to okay. the uch department for the period of time that i taught here okay. since i retired three years ago uh, I've been involved with the University of Medical Sciences at Undo, mm-hmm. where I'm helping them to do exactly the same thing I was doing here. And I think we're doing it better because the people there seem to believe and understand better that mm-hmm. primary health care, community health, is health of the people, by the people, with the people, for the people. You don't need any foreign experts to do it. You don't need anybody from outside the community. Mm. If they come, you tell them what you want and how you want it. Mm. Um, so we are managing to do that actively. And the the, the, the KBSCs and the local government chairman and the medical officers of health are warming up to it. They can let every community have health for all. Wow. And not have to come to the hospital. Okay. Um, their illnesses can be seen periodically during community rounds where the community nurse midwife sees them at home or in their shops or in their farm uh, to ascertain that they are living well. And if they have any problems, to sort it out because many health problems are a matter of knowing what to do. Hmm. Rest, eat well, <laughs> relax well. Yes. Um, so, at least, um, okay, Bowart 7 has achieved that uh, in Ondo, and they can go and visit it. <laughs> that all the chronically ill people there who've been diagnosed of anything, we have at least register, and the community nurse midwife, who is one of their daughters and their wife, hmm. they are happiest the day they selected her for us, said, <laughs> so his daughter is our wife. Uh, so she's the one who um, we have set up their truth register, clerk them in the health center, and set out their entire uh, life long health care plan. And she visits them, whether fortnightly, monthly, uh, every other month or quarterly, minimum six monthly, hmm. at home or in their farm or in their shop, uh, to ascertain that they are doing well. Okay. And the family nurse we have trained to look after them in the house can give a good report of them. That's what Health for All is. Not any 419 is going on in Nigeria. <laughs> in so that's what we do. I really appreciate, you know, the way you have explained everything to us. And um, well, we're going to come to some of those, those specifics later on. But let me ask you, in fact, I think, Dr. Ijewere, you are the one who should come in here. Um, you heard the talk about WHO and the the United Nations influence, as it were, on member countries and therefore, in turn, to citizens of each country. Now, but the test case was what happened 
in 2020, which gave birth to a series of rushed, you know, uh, vaccinations, vaccines, and inoculations. Like everything became suddenly questionable. So maybe Dr. Ejewere should have please put in a word here. Professor, for our listeners who are young to, the, to this WHO acronym and what they do, just take us a little bit, step back. WHO, what did they do? Why, how did they come about? And what was, what's their mission? Did you hear him? Professor? On music? Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's asking me. Yes, okay. he's asking you, yes. Well, um, there has always been need for uh, international cooperation for mm. healthcare. Um, you know, infectious diseases cross countries. Um, and so countries need to cooperate in doing them. Um, the first birth, the, what we call public health, his first birth was in Venice in 1374, mm. when the politicians there set up a rule, because Venice was a, a capital of trade. If you didn't trade in Venice, you are, you are not a serious businessman. So people go there, ships go there, and after ships finish uh, doing business there and go, there may be epidemic of disease that the people in Venice don't know anything about, and they will slaughter people. Hmm. So in 1374, the politicians in Venice played a law that no ship will be allowed to birth in the baths of Venice unless they brought a letter to certify that the ship, the, the port from which they set sail, had no epidemic in the previous recent time, before that time, nor while the ship was there. And every other port stops on the way to Venice, must give them a letter, there was no such thing. Otherwise, it will not birth. If they insist they must birth, they say, okay, they go and, and, and moor them in the mooring station in the Mediterranean Sea for 40 days. That's what current means, 40 days. That's the birth of the quarantine law. They moor them there because that's the longest incubation period they know for any disease at that time. So if they are carrying any of those diseases, the people in the ship will start falling ill. And they say, you see now, see what you want to bring to Venice. So go back to where you're coming from. <laughs> that was the birth of public health, that okay. nations should cooperate, that when they have a disease in their country, they shouldn't export it to another country. And the country, each country should guard people importing disease. So over time, this practice grew into an organized thing in 1851 and so on. Uh, after the First World War, they formed the League of Nations um, to, and part of the things they tried to do is to cooperate with each other in the areas of health. They also formed the International Labor Organization to take care of the effects of war on industry and, and trade. So those organizations existed after the First World War. After the Second World War, they decided to republish those organizations. And the United Nations was created to take over from the League of Nations. And the UNICEF, United Nations Children's Emergency Fund, was created to take care of problems of women and children who are the most affected by wars. 
Hmm. When the WHO came after it to take care of diseases between nations, to prevent all these uh, diseases, and to help nations that don't have the resources, whether technical or material, to control diseases. So that's what WHO has been. And they set out in 1948 to help to achieve health for everybody on the face of the earth. But it's by technical assistance to countries. It's not supposed to take over your health service. Doesn't interfere with your sovereignty or your law. Um, so it's been like that. Uh, even though um, as time went on, some people started protesting that WHO, UNICEF, ILO, all these health-related organizations are having too much are having too much power over health. So people decided to be asking for global health to open the ground so others can contribute. But those organizations are still uh, having those influences. And lately, uh, WHO involvement is uh, beginning to exceed uh, what it is. And they're trying now to pass laws or resolutions which will supersede sovereignty of countries. Mm. Um, but that is not happening in isolation because um, in 1933, some people who call themselves religious humanists hmm. set up an agenda that God-believing religions are doing harm to society. So um, God-believing religions are to be raised from the face of the earth. And uh, that articulation of the Humanist Manifesto, uh, they have to find a new religion without God in it, a religion which will do good without God. Okay. They call it Can, I stop you? Can I stop you there, sir? Why we quickly yes. take a message because of the scheduled nature of the uh, programming here. We'll, we will okay. write back to you, but we'll just take some messages here. So, welcome, and uh, we're back to Professor Asuzu. Am I right, sir? Asuzu. Asuzu. Okay. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Asuzu. Okay, you were actually talking earlier, and while you were doing that, uh, Dr. Ibe came in. Ide. Yes. Okay, Dr. Ide. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, she's, watching, she's with us in the studio now, and they will let you conclude what you were talking about the United Nations okay. WHO. Okay. okay. So, in 1933, currently they said now they are secular humanists, but in 1933, they called themselves religious humanists. <laughs> secular to, humanist uh, okay uh -huh. and they are here to find a new religion because okay. all the god believing religions of the past have done harm to the world by telling them that the world was created by god which is a fiction of their imagination hmm. and that uh, there is life after death and the god is the only source of truth that all these are nonsense uh, the world was not created by God. Uh, the world came by a bank and has continued to develop by evolution. God doesn't exist. He didn't create anything. There is no life after death. Is, 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 this, is this your, your talk or your quoting what they said? This said? is Humanist Manifesto number one of 1933. 
Okay. Google Yahoo it, download it and read it for yourself. Please go ahead. It has 14 articles. Yes. yes. It's a scripture for them. Mm. I live with a Canadian young man for 15 months. He's a secular humanist. He gets the journal every month, the humanist journal, and he reads it. That's where I started to study the humanists. Okay. The 1933 manifesto has 14 articles. God doesn't exist. God-believing religions are the source of the greatest harm to society. And there is an urgency to form an organization to uproot God-believing religions from the face of the earth and replace it with practical, pragmatic religion of doing good without God. Man is the greatest being that has evolved. And he doesn't need to be saved by anybody. Man must save himself. Science is the only sort of source of truth. Anything science does not prove either doesn't exist, or if it exists, is immaterial to the fulfillment of the human person. Science applied as technology is the source of all the things that people have been praying to this non-existent God about. Health, happiness, leisure, car, air condition, they pray God. Technology gives it to you. So you don't need to pray to God for anything, science and technology. And the reason for living is happiness. And God-believing religions regulate happiness out of your life. Instead of encouraging you to tackle your problems of life, including people who do you wrong, he's telling you, no, 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 to do because if you do, you God will punish you in the life after death, which doesn't exist. <laughs> Some of the harm it has done, God believing religions, is it has taken sex, which is the one of the greatest sources of happiness to man, and entrapped it inside marriage. He said sex belongs only to marriage. And in, in marriage is permanent. So even if you are dying there, die there. All these are nonsense. Mm. Man must be allowed to enjoy sex and pursue his sexual proclivities. Please open a dictionary or any source of English and search what proclivity is. Anything you imagine is your proclivity. You want to have sex in the anus, go ahead and have it there. You want to have sex in the ear, go ahead and have it there. You want to have sex in the mouth, go and have it there. Anything that prohibits you from doing so is limiting your happiness. Hmm. Okay. Contraception must be made available to everybody to have sex anyhow, anywhere they want. But the most dangerous thing about secular humanism yes. is that the last article says that they will not only establish this religion or ideology, but they are going to pursue the attainment of one world government. They, one seem, government. To, they seem to be uh, going through that and achieving it. That's what they're doing. That's what the, world, the whole West is now. Hmm. So that's the danger. Those guys have taken over United Nations, WHO, go and enter the Security Council of the United Nations. The WHO, they meet in caucuses, arrive at memoranda. They bring to World Head Assembly. 
The developing countries, Africa, Asia, never, they are not in those caucuses they create. They develop those uh, conventions and they give it to you. At the World Health Assembly, I've attended a handful of those. You are seeing that thing for the first time. One of them presents it in the session you attend. Nigeria delegation sends you. You go on uh, this session, Nigeria, go this one, this one. All the countries, that's what they do. And the developing countries go to these rooms where your country assigns you. And they say they are presenting this. And they present glamorous things about it and say, vote. You press yes or no or abstain. Finish. Mm. On things you don't know anything about. This is where this international regulation, that's where it's come to. Okay. Dr. Uh, and Patrick. They planning, yeah. And they are planning that when they make those things, it must be enforced in every country. Ah. Without the, the supersede, that's one world government achievement of one world government. Okay, all right. Thank you, uh, uh, Professor, because what you have said now is so is so key to us understanding the whole establishment of WHO and their well, the antecedents, so to speak. As, so, they, uh, as they are trying to function now, not mm, as they were established. For them to function. Okay, yes. okay, all right. We'll take. There's a call that just came in. Yes. Oh, okay. We we'll just verify the call. I think that's Dr. Joe trying to join us. Oh, Dr. Joe. Yes, okay. he's trying to reach us on Zoom. Okay. Professor, we appreciate tremendously the Dr. background. Ojo. Is that Dr. Joe? Good afternoon. Hello. Good afternoon. That is Tony Rabo. Hello, ma'am. How are you? I'm fine. My name is Osunde Ayomide. Okay. Could you please ask the professor? Uh-huh. Why is it that the WHO doesn't want to reveal the truth about the origin of coronavirus? Uh-huh, okay. In fact, that's part of the conversation we're going to have. So, Dr. Suzu, um, did, did you hear what she said? Ayomide just spoke to us on, on phone. No, what did she say? Uh, why did WHO hide the origin of coronavirus? Am I right? That's, yes, that's what she well, more or less well, we must be fair with WHO. They are not spirits. Okay. Um, they are not spirits. If countries um, don't report something, WHO doesn't have a mandate of police to go policing it. Okay. So, yeah. What WHO by establishment is to help countries mm. to achieve health to standardize get measures to standardize vaccines and drugs okay. and to assist countries but it it's not supposed to interfere with countries or police them okay let so me if, yeah i'm just going to welcome uh dr obi um ide or is it ide or ide 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 okay i'm correct and you are an uh, obstetric and gynecologist, excuse me. Yes. Dr. Jewelry, what's happened to my voice? We'll get some some water, sir. <laughs> okay. Right. So you've heard uh, Professor Asuzu say a few things yes. when, when you came in. What do you have to say before I carry on with asking you questions, specific questions? Well, I was on Friday morning, I was in a Zoom meeting with... Um, 
individuals from different parts of the world. Professor Ojo, Joshua Ojo, thank you. We will just acknowledge that you are with us, so we'll soon uh, connect you. Please go ahead. Yes. Yes. So I was in a Zoom meeting with uh, people from different parts of the world, and mm -hmm. one of the individuals was a Swiss gentleman. Okay. And um, at the end of the presentation meeting, um, comments were elicited, and the Swiss gentleman um, he commented that yes, that the WHO has earned a lot of the net of the flack that it's getting um, because of its involvement in many things, especially in this uh, period since COVID, um, that were negative and had a negative impact on the global population. Mm. But that, um, just like Professor said, that we need to be balanced and. Uh, um, recognize that there are you know many people who know uh, that the who has done many good things you know in many places all over the world mm -hmm. and um that we ought to um recognize and you know appreciate the work that you know has been done and i felt that it was necessary to give some more nuance to that um, um assertion because mm -hmm. The WHO being charged with um, helping to um, promote health in countries all over the world, those that are member uh, states of the WHO, mm. had, because of its level of expertise, the capacity to help build infrastructure in nations in ways that were sustainable. And using the Nigerian um, situation, um, as an example, and Professor Suzu knows what I'm speaking about because he taught me this. He's he was my teacher. Okay, I mean, you still can't correct, correct, correctly pronounce his name, but go ahead. Asuzu. Okay, I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the WHO and multinational organizations mm. have systematically prevented the establishment of true health care in Nigeria. Wow. Because you see, the programs like the WHO and all the other, you know, well-meaning NGOs that come into the country and run one vertical program or the other mm. in the country, whether it's they are fighting TB, they are fighting malaria, they are fighting HIV. What that does is just to set up shop in specific areas for the time that the money is flowing in those areas people are being impacted but the foundation of health care is not being built, not being built. Mm -hmm. and so once the money dries up from everything stops everything stops and there is nothing to show that health was being impacted in that area. And it's also an, a, another thing that um, Dr. Ijeba usually you know, speaks about and what he's all about, which is wellness. Health is not found in hospitals or in primary health centers. Hmm. Health is found in the community. Okay. It is the responsibility of government to set up primary health care in the manner that is community-based. Okay, right. And let me just uh, please appeal to you. In nine seconds, we're going to have 
Onyika Wenu's um, latest song, I just want to play it for the fun for the fun of it. Abo Abotito. What does that mean, by the way? Abotito. You know, that's the one I'm taking right now. Onyika Wenu's Abotito. Yes, please, please. Okay. Aha. Oh, she even goes reggae. <laughs> I promised to Yinka that I was going to play this song at this time because of what it stands for, thanking God for what he's done in her life and in many of our lives too. If I know Dr. Patrick Ijewere, he doesn't miss Sunday masses, you know, so trying to get him to come on the program in time. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Professor Asuzu, um, Asuzu, Asuzu. Asozo. Asozo. Okay, okay. Uh, Professor Asozo, please forgive me. I'm not playing with your name. Then we have Professor Joshua Ojo. Professor Joshua Ojo, how are you, sir? On music Thank you, so much. Thank you so much. And thanks for your patience because I've been watching you <laughs> quietly. Right. Okay. Have you heard everything that has been said so far since you joined us? Uh, partially, I heard Dr. Ibe speaking. Okay. Well, you didn't hear Dr. Uh, Professor Asuzu say anything? Not, not really. Okay, all right. Well, Dr. Patrick Ijewere, can you reintroduce this whole concept for Professor Joshua Ojo? Yes. Okay. Well, Professor, you know, as children who heard WHO, we were happy we saw them as this big global body that took care of health issues, if there, was, if there was epidemic, they came in, they gave you injection. We had this very nice picture of WHO. Now, today we are learning, we've learned from Professor um, Asozu that WHO is being hijacked from that, that global mission to a not, to, not a tidy mission. We're hearing about groups such as the Secular Humanists and their agenda for the last, what, 20, 80, 80 years? Um, we're hearing that WHO is now becoming cross-border, you know, re, re, as if they are going away from their primary yes, uh, function. Fun, function, yeah. And 
Dr. Dr. Ide has highlighted, we had the illusion that they would help us build structures, health structures in places where they, they was needed. But it appears that once funds dry up, they disappear, and there's no permanent structure on ground to con for continuity of health in those areas where they actually had had a presence. So really, one is waking up to WHO. What are they really all about? Are they truly in our health? Are they really truly in our interest? Professor Ojo, WHO. Yes. Thank you very much. I, I think uh, I'm fully, uh, I endorse fully what has been said and what has been observed. It is, I think it is not appropriate to expect WHO to take care of the national uh, health infrastructure. It's, it's not, uh, the, the WHO as an agency of the UN, they are primarily for issues that are transnational in nature. So like this infectious diseases, whatever. And I think uh, the WHO started right along that line because there, there comes a time when nations need to talk together to interact and take actions. We recognize that. That is important. And I think the existing regulations were sufficient. The cause for alarm is all this trickling with the IHR, the Earth, International Earth Regulations, trying to, and, and frankly speaking, the experience we had with COVID uh, tells us clearly that, uh, like Professor Azuzu has said, it is clear that the WHO, WHO has been hijacked, it's been hijacked. And I, like I mentioned this the last time I had the privilege to be on this program, yeah. it is who, who pays the piper that pays the tune. So the WHO funding, right currently, we know how it is, all these NGOs, they're virtually taking over. So what do we expect? So in the issue of infectious, so I think we should restrict the WHO to their traditional uh, expectations. Mm. They, are shouldn't, they shouldn't be building the national infrastructure. If, the, if the any nation needs their expertise, uh, they should be available to give advice, but not to take over and suggest priorities and all these issues about reproductive health and whatever, when we had issues on our own, malaria, dysentery, sanitation issues, they just, so it is left for the, each nation to determine their health priorities. We have the Ministry of Health and we have people expertise, so we should just uh, do things as uh, they should be done. So expecting the WHO to build infrastructure is wrong, it's not working, and uh, is open to abuse like we are currently seeing. So doesn't, this, doesn't this look like uh, an approach, a direction towards one world government that we've been hearing as rumors? Looks like it's now becoming a reality of sort. Uh, Dr. J, you want to react to that? Um, professor, there's been a lot of concern over loss of sovereignty. At some of the new amendments that we are reading of that we must um, reject by a certain deadline if we fail to do so would cause WHO to have far-reaching impact that causes countries to lose their I mean literally that the departments of health their health sovereignty 
And we know many of us disagree with a lot of policies that come out of the WHO today. I mean, just to mention one on the side, the, this LGBT ag agenda. Um, the other one is this issue of secular, secular humanist um, uh, agenda. Which uh, Professor Asuzu talked about earlier. Yeah. So WHO being an overall body that just comes and when, when, when there's need, and we countries run our independent healthcare systems is what we're familiar with and what we want to continue. But there's been amendments that have occurred over this over several years now in a very clandestine clandest, clandestine way. Hmm. And many of the member countries are signing on documents or not signing where they ought to sign or reject documents. And I think Professor Suzu and Dr. Ide. Okay. Yeah, uh, Professor Asuzu's hand is up. So maybe we should quickly give him a chance before I get to Dr. Ibe. Professor, it's over yes. to you, sir. Yes, go ahead. Um, Alicia, Shita, we, I'll get to you when, soon. Yes, sir. When we, when we discuss WHO, we must understand that people who are inside WHO officially, occupying official positions, are trying to do what is written in the law. Um, try to assist with international health regulations, assist countries technically standardize vaccines and drugs, all those kind of things. Yeah. But the secular humanists who, ha who are taking over those places are doing it surreptitiously. It's not with open-minded cooperation of WHO. No, let nobody make a mistake about that. The secular humanists say they are going recording to, in progress. They are going to achieve pursue the agenda of achieving one world government, which is going to be secular humanism. Hmm. And to supersede any other governance of any sort, anywhere. Whether you are in your church you internationally or in countries. And they have several NGOs who get themselves accredited by WHO to be on technical working groups to develop all these memoranda and they ensure that any nation in the developing countries won't be there. They are not in any of those groups. Or any NGO that doesn't adopt the secular humanist agenda is not admitted there. And they arrive at this memoranda which they then bring to World Health Assembly and you vote. And this, this, this last, inter this reviews on the international regulation is exactly going that way. That once they vote and agree at it at WHO, it supersedes your national sovereignty. It must be implemented. That's very scary. That's what the danger is. WHO doesn't try to run anybody's uh, national health system. They want to help. If your country is irresponsible, can't draw up its health system, that has nothing to do with WHO. Mm -hmm. So WHO doesn't attempt to draw countries' health. They have to draw it. But if your country refuses to do that, the politicians, it's not WHO problem. You can't police them on it. Okay. We keep helping them with whatever they're doing. So all these vertical programs that international agencies, NGOs all over the place are running without 
a health system that's sustainable is not their fault. It is the fault of governance in Nigeria hmm. okay. at the national level. I see. Okay. Um, let me bring in uh, Dr. Obi Ide. Yes, please go ahead. Yes. So, um, to start from Dr. Ijeri's comments, the deadline is December 1st. Oh. And that deadline is... It's around the corner. Yes, it's around the corner. That deadline is for President Tinubu to write a letter to the WHO rejecting amendments that were adopted in May of last year. There's nothing to sign. There's no document in front of him. He never signed anything. The delegates to the World Health Assembly last year adopted amendments that were submitted by the Biden administration and eight other countries. And those amendments reduced the amount of time that we, the citizens of Nigeria, are able to reject further amendments. So previously, we would have 18 months in which to review and to reject amendments. That has been reduced to 10. From 18 months? Yes, to 10. And from adoption to enactment has been reduced from 24 months to 12. So we have reduced response time to whatever the WHO's policies will be. If, if, Who is responsible for the reduction of time in response time? The... One has to Nigerian government or that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Countries are the ones that submit amendments to the international health regulations. Okay. They submit amendments. There were nine countries that submitted amendments to about four or six different articles of the IHRs. Mm -hmm. So when they were submitted, countries voted and adopted the proposal to reduce the time. Ah, okay. So the only person that can undo that is the leader of every of the member states. So only President Tinubu can write to WHO and say, you know what? Those things that you guys agreed May last year, eh, we don't want it. We want to continue with the same timeline that we had before. Yeah, I mean, we have so many other countries in the world that did not agree. No, uh, that's not. That's what I'm telling you. 194 member nations. Nobody has rejected the amendments. Ah, I have to listen very properly. Yes, it's really getting to me. No Whoa. nation has rejected the amendments. So, moving on from there, there are another set of amendments that are going to be presented in May 2024. Those amendments are actually supposed to have been fully negotiated and presented to member states in January mm -hmm. of 2024. Mm -hmm. Because Article 55 of the International Health Regulation states that member states must receive the amendments four months before the World Health Assembly of that year 
so that they can review them and come up with their position. So there's a working group within the WHO yeah. that is supposed to be negotiating on this new set of amendments. There are 307 new amendments. And the negotiations were supposed to end and a final document be presented and submitted to member states so that they have four months before they come to the World Health Assembly of 2024. Well, in October, the working group announced that, well, we are not going to be able to complete these negotiations that we're supposed to have. And so we're just going to keep working till May. And then we'll submit them in May at the World Health Assembly, which is precisely what Prof Professor Asuzo just said. Mm. You are not going to know what's in those amendments. They're just going to show up and then they'll give some 10-minute spiel that will be full of all good-sounding things. Everybody say aye. And, and then, then the eyes have it. And then the eyes have it. But because we have the drafts of what they are supposed to be negotiating, yes. we, have an, we have a very good idea of what they want. So you had 94 member states submit 307 amendments. And the most important ones that, need to, that we need to understand, which lead into this issue of one world government, are number one the international health regulations give the who the power to declare a public health emergency of international concern covid was the last public health emergency of international concern mm -hmm. now the normal pr procedure is that there is an ongoing dialogue between the WHO and the country in which this public health emergency is taking place. Between the officials of that country, the WHO administration, and an executive committee that is set up in, the, in that, uh, because of that emergency, mm. there is a three-way process by which a public health emergency is declared. Can I beg you? We have um, in the next two minutes we have an, an advert that must come out. I think it's on the dot of two o'clock, right? Yes. So I will so, just signal you. Go ahead, please. So the latest one of the amendments is that the director general of the WHO alone can call a public health emergency of international concern, whether or not the country believes it's a public health emergency. Wow. Now, what will be a public health emergency? Up until now, only actual infectious diseases were public health emergencies. Mm -hmm. But the United Nations has adopted this one health paradigm. And in that one health paradigm, because health is both an environmental and social and cultural it has all these different dimensions. Yes. So anything can now be a public health emergency. So climate change can be a public health emergency. Hmm. It doesn't have to be an infectious event that has started. It could be a potential event. And what happens based on the amendments that are coming? They've removed the non-binding word 
from WHO recommendations so that, in effect, when a public health emergency of international concern is called, the WHO recommendations become law. Okay, we'll, we'll be right back after the message. It's two o'clock from Arthur Morgan Capital, your investment banking institution. Always know this, a happy family is but an earlier heaven. George Bernard Shaw. Inspiration. Inspiration. 92.3 FM. Okay, so welcome to Sonny Rabot Live. We are having a very powerful, since 1 p.m., Wellness Half Hour, dovetailing to Sonny Rabot Live now, and uh, Dr. Obi Ibe, you've been briefing us, <laughs> I, call, I call it a brief, <laughs> about the antecedents, if I may use that phrase or word, about WHO and the, the direction towards excessive control, my, my choice of word. Please go ahead. It's a very apt uh, definition of what is going on. Hmm. So the WHO was supposed to be involved in actual infectious diseases that were ongoing and working with countries to be able to determine how to curb the effects so that travel and trade are not uh, affected. That was his primary mission. Now, the amendments to the international health regulations that have been submitted are giving a lot more power and control to the WHO if they are adopted. First of all, the three-way mechanism by which a public health emergency of international concern, which is what we call a fake, is declared, has been um, abrogated, and all that control is now in the hands of one individual, the Director General. The Director General. The Director General. Wow. And whether or not it, a country agrees that a certain event is a public health emergency of international concern. The a dialogue will be there, but in effect, is a director general that will that will declare it and will determine it whether or not that nation agrees or not. Um, the types of events that will constitute a fake have also changed. So it could be a climate event, it could be a cultural event. Very sinister is the fact that. All public health information must come from the WHO when a public health emergency is declared. Hmm. So you have institutionalization of censorship, basically. You cannot have a different narrative than what the WHO says is going on. Okay. Let me, I will quickly acknowledge the fact that there's Beatrice Ezenwa on the line, on, on Zoom. You're also welcome. Thank you very much. I'll give you a chance to say a few words later. Well, let me quickly get Professor Joshua Ojo and uh, Professor Asuzu to please respond to the new revelations that we've just had. And, of course, Dr. Patrick Jewere. Professor Ojo, sir. Yeah, Dr. Obi said it all. The proposals are sinister. They are unwarranted. And uh, mm. clearly speaking, we know, frankly speaking, we know where they are headed. It's just like we're playing with ourselves. My concern because of time, is that I actually don't see Nigeria objecting, honestly. And ah. it's a big concern. I, I hope we can get something to, because 
let's look at it. Even before this current scenario playing out, mm. the WHO, when Professor Asuzu was speaking, he talked about the WHO being, uh, you know, being uh, having the powers they have in because of irresponsible government at home. I would like to say, suggest that there are some, these globalists we're talking about, the one world government people, mm. they are actually, pro they, they have interest in promoting irresponsible government such that the WHO develops such clout that it doesn't deserve. Let me give you two examples quickly. During the COVID vaccine issue, the WHO came out with a new, what they call a protocol, they call it Reliance. And with that, they, they, they allowed NAPDAC not to do its statutory right of checking the vaccines. They exonerated mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So they call it Reliance. And Nigeria is about the only country that followed that protocol. South Africa rejected it. Wow. So the WHO is, is, is a, it, it, and they just said WHO said it. WHO approved it. Another instance is what uh, currently we still have timerosol containing vaccines. Those are vaccines which are the format we they have. They are they have timerosol, which is about 50%, 49.9% mercury. Is we are still they are still being administered to that children. That is very serious. Right now, and the excuse people will say that they will say WHO, WHO permitted it. Which is not permitted in other countries. But mercury so, is, is, is injurious to the human uh, body, isn't it? Of course, and the NAVDAC knows that. Just yesterday or whatever, uh, NAVDAC came out with a notice advising people against uh, cosmetics that contain mercury. Last uh -huh. month, they seized some soaps containing mercury. So they know the effect of mercury. But why do they allow it in vaccines? They say WHO <laughs> has done the, the risk assessment. And I said, uh, it, it's at ways that kind of nonsense. So the WHO is being used as a tool to justify whatever you want to justify. Some irregular behaviors, you know? Yes, hmm. which are treacherous, which are undefensible. But hmm. with government, I, I am careful, I'm on your show, but uh, the globalists promote irresponsibility in uh, governance, local governance. And uh, they are used WHO as a cover. That is what has been happening, and that's why I'm afraid. I'm not. I can't see President Tinubu writing to object to this IHF. And I think we need to do something. I hope we can come up with something uh, on this show, or at least arise from this show, because it is so important. And hmm. I have a question before I bring in Professor Asuzu. The whole talk about is it AstraZeneca? The, yeah, that's, that's yes, the yes. The, because um, I just read from the BBC that AstraZeneca, somebody that took a victim that took uh, AstraZeneca to court, now yeah. actually, I think they've just made it an issue for the court to listen, to hear the the, the complaint, or that they have actually won. I'm not so sure who has the correct the correct information, but it looks like if UK is doing that. Why is Nigeria falling victim to this kind of unfair and unreasonable? Okay, Professor Asuzusa, please go ahead. Well, I keep saying that um, the documents of WHO 
or United Nations hasn't changed. Mm. And there are many people working there honestly. Um, so it's not a wicked act by them. But the secular humanists, these globalists, whose ultimate article of faith is that they are going to achieve a one-world government, are fast at it. And all we are seeing is the compromise or the overtake of those organizations. Many times without their consent, without those people knowing what they are doing, they just do good as. And I have many friends in that order. They, they employ you, dangle you with money, but the people running it know where they are going with it. And you believe you are doing some good. The other thing I want to um, also uh, correct or put in more correct perspective is that WHO, uh, World Health Assembly, they, they don't do the eyes habit. No. Um, before you get there, these technical committees, sometimes several months before the World Health Assembly, have met in several caucuses, making sure that nobody who will speak the yes. correct thing is admitted to it. Mm. And they fashion all these memoranda in the direction they are going, including countries that they've literally taken over and they are running them, their delegates, they make those decisions and they bring them. When the countries arrive, it's the World Health Assembly starts on a Monday. You may go there as early as seven, so you can be searched, authenticated. You go in to the general opening ceremony. When you finish, your minister, whoever took you there, may have told you people where to meet after the plenary, when you have all the documents. So they will divide their country members to the concurrent sessions. There may be up to eight at the same time, holding in different halls or rooms. So they say, oh, you are from the uh, health policy and management. OK, go to this one, because it's a health policy. You are in the reproductive health. So go this one, this family planning issue. This one go. They have they no Nigerian person or NGO is in those caucuses that are developing those memoranda you are, they are, they are now going to be presenting to you to vote. And they go there. And one of these fellows stands up there and reads a beautiful thing, things that are exciting for people to hear. The nitty-gritty, nobody hears it, and they say to vote. The seat where you are has buttons to press, yes, no, or abstain. They don't ask for yay or no. You press your own button. That's all. <laughs> Nigerians who go there, and have been there a couple of times, have no idea where those memoranda are coming from. They don't know the substance of it. They've just read the title and what probably one sentence on it, and they vote. Okay, right. Let so me just, yeah. after all this, the globalists, the secular humanists, and their one world government are with these things. And those documents, what they're doing these last revisions, to reduce the time you will have to, you may respond, and to make it mandatory to pursue your national constitution. When they declare it, or when they vote about it, vote on it at the, at the World Assembly, 
a one world government agenda. That's the issue. How do you tackle it? Professor Joe has said, with the way Nigeria is going now, nobody, I don't see anybody in this our government going to be listening to issues of concern to the people. They are going to be listening to issues of concern to buying yachts and going to sail in the ocean and <laughs> buying SUVs, uh, you know, uh, uh, bulletproof. Not about the people, not about this country. So, well, unless people know people there who can go and talk to them personally, this is a matter of writing a letter. Let's look at these things in more detail. Don't go this way. Okay. But I don't know how, that we have such people in this country. Okay, let I me. I don't think anybody there would like to listen to anybody like me. <laughs> so, well, yeah, the, so the danger is. Um... And the facts are there. So I tell all of you who listen to this thing please Google Yahoo search Humanist Manifesto One. Hmm. It's only a four page document with 14 articles of faith. The last one item of which is the pursuit of one world government. And you can understand where your world is coming from. You can Google Humanist Manifesto 2, 1973, the revision. That's where they removed that they are no longer religious. They are just secular humanists. Because when they were taking over, taking schools from religious bodies, they said, how can you, you are a religious body, because you say you are religious humanists, taking other religious bodies, schools, and you say, you know, they, they, don't, they, they, they are teaching, they're teaching God. No, you found their own schools. So in 1973, they said they are no longer religious. They are now secular money. They are scientific. Religions are not scientific. So they wriggled out of that one. So they, they're taking over schools. You know the episode of takeover schools. Hmm. You know? Hmm. So that is what the issue is. It's, 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 it's a mind. Is a religion, is an ideology that is infiltrating all these bodies and taking it over for the agenda. So we shouldn't begin to blame WHO at all. It's to wake us up okay. and to get create a critical mass of thinking people in Nigeria who will look at where the world is going and learn where the troubles are coming from so they can organize to tackle them and get people in place okay. to do this. Thank you, right. Prof. Uh, I'd like to add Dr. Ejewere now to what's the implication of all this? There's a lot of revelations going on here. Um, Professor Joe alluded to the way we're heading. No one in government right now has understandable even this detail that we're discussing here, mm. let alone to come up with a document to sign. Professor, Professor Asuzu has highlight the importance of getting the word out, creating a critical mass of thinking people. Hmm. When we challenge, put this forth to our doctor platforms, hmm. quite often there's, there's silence on, on the platforms. Or there's silence. It, either silence or there's, there's a pushback. A pushback. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they call you a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. So even our educational system is creating um, people who are not critical thinkers, as uh, the professor w w wants us to be. We, the professionals, should be talking about this on the radio, on, on, on our platforms, on our seminars. But we're not. Somehow, the structures behind WHO have created this. It's, they, they know it best for us. 
in, on, on how the educators on, on, on our perspectives on, di on different issues and if any of us fall, falls out of line vilify the person or so we will keep pushing on all, on all avenues what I see which is very dangerous is it's going to create even if it's called one world government it's going to create room for some kind of you know anomaly that will become suddenly difficult to maintain and control one world government is, is, a, is a myth. I don't I, think it's a reality that can be that can sustain itself. I think it's important to um, put what we are talking about in the context of other um, movements towards a one world government that will help you to understand that this is not a myth. Okay. Um, the world is built and functions around an exchange of value yes and value has been for many centuries now exchanged using forms of currency what we call money yeah now most people the vast majority of the inhabitants of the world think that in their nations, that their central banks belong to their governments. But the American central bank doesn't belong to its government. Okay. N neither does the Bank of England belong to British government. Who, who owns those banks? The few, the few rulers of the world, and they are so few, they are less than 1% of the 1% of the world. Yes. And the owners of the Bank of International Settlements mm -hmm. are the ones who actually own the central banks of the world. Because so it's not the, the governments. It's not the governments. Absolutely. Because it is them that give money to the central banks okay. to allow them to run. And it is the central banks that give money to the governments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, the Bank of International Settlements is completely focused on digital money because digital money is programmable. Okay. You can program, you can program money to expire. You can shut off a person's access to that digital money if they don't do what you want them to do. Ah, that is dangerous. So, that is what your e-naira is about. I see. And people think that the cash crunch um, that took place before the elections were solely about some political tussle between uh, perhaps former President Buhari and whoever was coming in, mm. and there was all these back and forth. There were convenient illusions to reduce cash because you see cash is the way that each individual retains his or her sovereignty with cash you can do whatever transaction you want without 
any other person being involved except the other person at the end of the transaction. Right. So, with e-money, that is gone. Because e-money comes from the central bank. Mm. And it goes directly to the individual. Therefore, they're able to control money. And so control the individual. And so control the individual. Okay, let me give chance now for people to call in, and especially those in the chambers, uh, Be Beatrice Ezenwa and uh, Lushegun Shita, um, who is ready to talk. Let me le give the lady a chance first. Beatrice Ezenwa, you're welcome to the show. Unmute yourself and speak, please. Thank you very much. Mm. This has been an interesting discourse, and... Um, bringing to our attention what has been happening there yes um a lot of things that we do i think part of the problem we have is that we always be believe things is for them it's only when the thing now comes to us and we start uh, implementing it and we start knowing how hard or how um it doesn't really suit us okay mm. so i think that is what has been happening so unless the mindset is changed. Um, I, I know there are some people that is always representing us at the WHO. Mm. So like the um, one they said they will have in January, I'm sure some people will be working for Nigeria. Are these actually people um, sampling the opinions of people? Who are they really sampling the opinion? Because if 494 countries agreed on something and they signed it, we cannot be saying we do not, um, it didn't take us on our way. So I'm sure some people have been told and they know what is happening there. But uh, so I think what of the things to do is to look at the people who are um, representing mm -hmm. us. Mm. How are they doing our uh, helping us? I think that is where we are going to. Because we, we keep on saying that, oh, we do not want this thing, that oh, why did they um, sign it for us? And not? Did we ask them? I mean, what was their reason? So the that question is, is my did own. they even seek your um, opinion? We're saying we can't do it. Uh -huh. Yes. Hmm. So that is... Um, Thank you very idea. much. I think we need to go back again. And they show interest. Hmm. Um, we in Nigerians, we don't really show interest in what happens there, even True. in the people governing us. Okay, we just said they, they are doing it, but the thing comes to affect us. So all of us have to show interest. Okay. And uh, if they know we show interest, I'm sure we will all get there. Thank you very much for Thank bringing you. this again. I'm privileged to be here once again. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, Lucia Mushita, please go ahead and mute yourself. Uncle Sonny, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And good, af good afternoon to all the erudite scholars in the studio <laughs> yes. i it, it is it is quite an interesting um, program i've gained a lot but uncle sonny my fear is this you said something sacrosanct you said um the the time world order cannot be is it, not achievable but i i doubt it sincerely i i, I think uh, this is an agenda of the end time that mm. we've been told about and they are really working hard towards it because these people are so rich that they can do whatever they like and the devil is really using them it's only that we just need to be on our toes not to allow it to happen 
Having said that, sir, mm. I want to ask a question yes. that all that um, uh, Dr. Obi had told us. Yes. I might, I, I, I want to ask if the health minister is aware of it so that he can advise the president. Very, very good well. question. Very good question. Yes. Uh, in Dr. addition Obi? to that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Go in addition to that, Uncle Sonny, I, I just only, what Professor Asuzo has said is very scary. And he painted the picture, the real and the right way. Those that are representing us in the World Health Organization, most of those people, we can see them in the Senate. We see what they are doing. I doubt if they have our interests at heart. Mm. And it's very, very scary when things like this that affect our lives are being debated and all they care about are the mundane things. And those people orchestrating this thing, they know the psyche of African people. They yes. will just throw the main thing to them and they will forget about the main issue. They just give them money and all the necessary trappings. That is why this thing is so scary. Mm. I really appreciate all the professors that have spoken and I, I'm, I've gained a lot. I thank you, Uncle Sonny, for this wonderful program. God bless all the professors. Dr. Obi, you are doing wonderfully well. I really enjoyed all your work. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, too. Um, before I bring in another person, let me quickly read a message from WhatsApp. Hello, Sonny Rabo and Dr. Patrick Ijewere. Please ask your guests what we can do as citizens of Nigeria to stop our government from giving away our sovereignty as a nation to these evil globalists. Came in from Satellite Town, Lagos. Who wants to take that? <laughs> That's a big one. Um, yes. Welcoming. I am on this show right now to try to do what I can. Mm. I believe that you have your own sphere of influence. You have people around you who know people who know people. I wish I had a key to Asorok and I could stroll in there and have a discussion with President Tinubu. Mm. But I do not have that reach. However, but you can go through the Minister of, Inf of, of, of um, uh, Health. The, um, yes, there was that question about the Ministry we, of Health. We yes. have put documents towards him. We've put reports towards him. Um, we are not getting the feedback that we should because hmm. we don't have a direct line to this person. Maybe we should invite him for a show like this so that he can at least talk on. Well, that would be a big step forward. So, um, Kemi, thank you for your question because... Uncle Sonny has now taken up the gauntlet to invite the federal ministry of uh, federal minister okay. to come and speak to us and tell us what is going on with the amendments to the international health regulations. Mm -hmm. At least if we can have that conversation with the minister, then we can now move on from there. Um, we have we are trying um, to get on television. We are trying. I mean, this is radio. So, Kemi write a letter to a, to the editor of your newspapers. Hmm? Put together the information that you have. Do your own research and confirm the things that you're hearing. Write a letter and submit it to um, uh, newspapers. Try and reach out to your own uh, representatives, people who are supposed to represent you. Those who know, the lawyers that you know, inform them of what is going on. Lawyers, no lawyers, no lawyers, and um we can get the word out december 1st is right around, around the, the corner, corner. Yes. it's less than three weeks from now 
We are doing the very best we can to inform Nigerians. Okay. And you can join us. Uh, Lucia Gunshita, you have something to say? Your hand is up. Yes, Uncle Sonny, thank you. Um, I want to know, uh, especially the question goes to Dr. Obi, right. is the amendment thing, is it in the public space so that we can get it and read it and know more about it? Yes, it is in the public space. If you were to go to... Uh, just Google international health regulations, a whole slew of things will uh, pop up. Um, they are very, uh, like I said, there are 307 amendments. So it's not a very simple um, document to be able to read. It's a caller. Hello? Hello? Yes, good afternoon. How are you? Fine, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, my name is Linda Tonyaba. Go ahead. In all things that have been discussed, yes. You know, when you say people vote for people who they want to, you know, to um, represent them. Yes. I think it should normally be the people. But in most cases now, watched what was done, the voting, the listing in an emo state, you could, all these things now. I don't know where we are going with all this, you know, and. Infinity everywhere are people who claim to who am and forcing themselves on the people. I don't know. No, in fact, then I don't know where Nigeria is heading to. Okay. Because evil is thriving in the land. All right. Thank you God very much. Yes, sir. thank you. That's a great concern. Okay. There's somebody who's saying good afternoon, Kusani, and uh, all the speakers. Just simply said. This is so scary. Dr. Ejewiri, somebody is echoing, this is so scary. What do you have to say? Yes, it's very scary. But as Dr. Ide has said, let's, through our spheres of influence, begin to push the word out and get the critical mass that we, we need. For those who want information on the, on the IHR, yes. just send the message to this um, number. It's 0818 414 Six three four one zero eight one eight four one four six three four one. I will forward you the information. Okay, thank you very much on that. Um, but Professor Asuzu, Asu, Asu, Asuzu, yes, S Professor, sir, sorry, I've gone to school many times today just to learn your name, uh, and I'm ashamed that I keep falling flat on my face. Can you please, from what you've heard from everybody, especially even the last caller, the last uh, WhatsApp message said this is so scary. Now, are you scared yourself? Not really. Okay. Why are you not scared? Because I've done my job. Please, can you explain further, sir? And on the last day that everybody speaks about, as if they know about it, <laughs> I will give account of myself. Okay. Is when you haven't done your your job, you will be scared. Hmm. Evil will exist. Evil can never be eradicated. But we must do our role to bring people to be aware of it. They can go and learn, verify it by themselves. If anybody who has listened to this radio program within the next one week 
doesn't Google download Humanist Manifesto 1, Humanist Manifesto 2, and read it by themselves? Then that is their business. They haven't benefited from this exercise. It's not me talking. They mm. will read those things themselves. Mm. And as you read the Humanist Manifesto of 1933, and you look at the world, you will see that that manifesto has been implemented year by year by year. And they are coasting to the last item. Wow. That, that you should have, you should, the world should allow you to explore your sexual proclivities. You want to have sex with dogs, go have it. Want to have with goats, go have it. So and that explains, that explains. There are sex books. Yes. That explains if you why. If you're a man, you can't find women. You have men. If you don't have men, manufacture sex toys. Have with them. That explains. Yes, Professor, sorry. Um, I just wanted to intervene there or interject rather. That explains why the LGBTQ, whatever, plus, plus, plus. That's where it came yeah. from. Read and it's gaining momentum. As you read the Humanist Manifesto, one. You will see where the world has come since 1933. They wow. are taking over the world absolutely. Because Ugandan government was you know, dropped out of the um, some of the receiving nations donation. Don well, they were supposed to get some donations from the U.S. government. They just dropped Uganda because of Museveni's yeah. posi position on this whole yeah. thing. Anti-gay. The one world government. Mm. that they are pursuing. Otherwise, no aid for you. Why we're talking about... Mining in the world. Mm. And they take over these agencies. That's why we should understand the agencies. They are not cooperating willfully. They are not even aware of what has overtaken them. Because these guys are so well-structured. When you do that and you see the NGOs that they've established, their curricula are in the medical school textbooks. They are in law textbooks. They are everywhere. And you are swallowing these things. That's, That's why one of the biggest places you get, if you want to do research now, is reproductive and sexual health. Any obstacle against you having sex and pursuing your sexual proclivities must be eradicated. And they are funding it like shit. You know? So I think it's important for us. Yeah. I think it's important everybody for us. Everybody goes there to get the money. Say you're doing research, but there's nothing going on there. Okay, let's let's give it, uh, Dr. Obi a chance to. Yes, there's. You said that. I think what, Dr. Obi? Um, I think it's important for us to um understand the movement of these ideologies with money. So, um, what Professor speaking about, which is the LGBT uh, QIA plus. Uh, ideology and movement um, is funded and advanced through Western countries um, aid agreements. And the reason I have to bring that up is because at the we have uh, an ACPEU uh, body. And ACPEU stands for Pacific, yes, okay. African Caribbean Pacific. All right. Um, with the European Union 
and they have this body in which they are supposed to, you know, supposedly talking trade and all these agreements. Mm -hmm. However, as usual with these large multinational organizations, provisions of these agreements are linked to diversity, equity, inclusivity, which are all code words for LGBTQIA. Right. It's so coded. And exactly. And it sounds so you know, attractive. attractive. So the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up is because, yes, we're talking about December 1st, okay, as a deadline. But next week, November 15th, this agreement, the new agreement, the last one expired. Mm -hmm. Nigeria is meant to be signing a document on even the 15th of November. before the 1st of December. Yes, you know, the 1st of December is WHO, the IHRs. But, and WHO is global, but it, this particular body, which is the European Union in, uh, con, you know, dealing with African, Caribbean, and Pacific states. Yeah. There is an agreement that they're supposed to sign that has these provisions. Activists and social com uh, commenters who have followed this document were, had already been assured that, oh, the, you know, Nigeria was not going to sign because they had all these provisions and they took, you know, whatever those ass uh, assurances were on face value. But the news is trickling now that. Nigeria will sign. And so if Nigeria signs that kind of agreement, all of a sudden you see, you know, things that you, you, you just don't understand taking place in the country. And it will be because there's funding now, real funding for more LGBT. And that will silence people. Exactly. From even opposing what ought not to be. Because the government has signed an agreement and it will now be with state agreements that these things will go forward. So we must always understand that when, you know, we have things appear oh. that there's money that is behind them. And unfortunately, we don't have a Museveni, although Museveni <laughs> has his issues. <laughs> Professor Joshua Josa, please speak. And uh, Lucia Gumpita, I'm sorry, Shita, uh, your hand is up. I'll, I'll call you soon. Professor Ojosa. Yeah, thank you. Is this issue of money and whatever? Actually, I posted a link in the chat box. Okay. Uh, to use the example of the HPV vaccine, many of us, we spoke, there were outcries. We saw what has happened in India, in Japan, many other countries. We tried to bring these things into the public uh, view Domain. for people to, to, to access. Domain. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, I was just checking the, some articles yesterday or a few days earlier, and I saw that actually $1.8 million was paid to a group. The link is there. And actually, I sent to Pastor, uh, Dr. Jewelry, maybe he could share for people to see. But the link is there. It actually is the Sindani group in uh, uh, Puja. And mm. they got $1.8 million to sell this agenda to make people keep quiet to pay bloggers, to do advert. That is what is happening. And I think that's what Dr. Ibe is saying. When the money comes in, do people, I really, I am I, here to listen. I'm hoping something will come out. For instance, I was very happy with that. Uh, you're agreeing in principle that you will try to get the minister uh, of the ministry yeah. to come and, because that's what we need to do. 
if you can do that, that will go a long way. Okay. Captain, yes, sir. Lushego Shita, please. Amuse yourself. Thank you very much, sir. Yes. Um, I want to seize this opportunity to tap out of the resources in, uh, in the studio, the Ed Higgs we have there. I want to know, sir, is it possible, because it's getting scary, you know, more now, is it possible for us to do one or two things to force or probably one or one way or the other coerce our government, you know, to stop all these things from happening, at least if Nigeria in Africa was put, you know, put down a foot, at least other countries in Africa will follow suit so that all this LGBTQ community will not win the war. Is it possible? Is there a way how we can coerce or probably force our government to put a stop to some of this madness? Number two, sir, hmm. when COVID came, um, they brought some things and um, South Africa, like you, I rightly heard here, that South Africa was the only country that, that uh, in Africa yeah, that did not say. Is it possible for us? What can we do, sir? When such a thing, we pray not such things happen again. But in advance that it happens, what can we do to force our government to toe the same line of South Africa and say no to such a thing so that it shouldn't be government thing alone? So what can we do, sir? Thank you. Well, uh, Dr. Patrick Ijewere, you <sighs> first, and Dr. Obi Ibeide, you second. Yes. At all state levels, state commissioners sh should be involved. At the federal level, not only should we use the Minister of Health, even leading Islamic scholars, leading Islamic leaders should be brought into this discussion. Yes. Leading um, Protestant leaders should be brought into this discussion. About 14 years ago, I challenged the government and I had interview, had um, debates on channels on TVC regarding GMO. Mm. At the toilets of the Jonathan administration, laws are signed and must allow GMO to come in. Today we have GMO cowpea in Nigeria. Today we have GMO corn in Nigeria. Now we have GMO wheat in Nigeria. Wow. Um, about eight years ago, it was the books in the school system. It came in clandestinely, where books that were opening talk, openly talking about things that were averse to, to our culture, from sexuality to, I mean, just things that are totally perverse. Books came to the school system. Again, that came in clandestinely. So these folks are notorious at coming in clandestinely through the government. So we need to bring in Muslim clerics into this. Bring them in. People who will shout and maybe the government might, might listen. At every, any folks, these folks have a very clandestine way of winning governments, especially governments that can be bought and sold. And they've proven it in the past with GMO, with our educational system. Even then, Mr. Education did not know. It took some lawyers to finally bring him into the knowing of the kind of books that he had signed to come into the country, into the school system. Now we are faced with this. Yeah, I remember that we some was it sometime last year or so we had some ladies in this yes. um, studio, you know, who talked about this, even this the, the textbooks and the, the visuals that were so vivid. Gosh. Anyway, um, Doctor Obi Ide, please. What would be your response to some of the questions asked by Mr. Shita? Well, I believe that the first thing is for people who want to do something to first believe that they can. Yes. And while I understand um, the fear that 
is the initial initial response to hearing all these things. Um, we must believe that we can do something and it is because we are supposed to be part of the solution that we now know about this thing. So the what to do next, basically I'm going to repeat myself. Okay. Write, sit down, study, research, understand. Then write, write online, share with the people in your groups, share your resources, speak to your alumni, speak to your classmates groups, talk about it in whatever um, fora that you are able to. Somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody may pick it up and we might be able to get to the legislators. Okay. The legislators are the people who are supposed to hear our voices. Let's target the legislators and make what we want known to them. The more we are able to um, get our voices heard, then the more we will be able to um, reach some consensus amongst ourselves and make, make an effort. But you've got to start somewhere. Okay. Otherwise, it feeds that helplessness if you don't start. Uh, Professor Asuzusa, please. Okay. Apart from encouraging everybody to search for the Humanist Manifestos 1 and 2 and begin their own self-study of secular humanism and the world destruction that they are implementing day by day and nothing seems to stop them. So they can also begin to do what they need to do. We need to raise a critical mass of people who will choose to think, to live naturally as God created us to do. Mm. Uh, the only thing, other thing I will advise is for anybody to find out the Lagos State, Lagos State uh, government is already implementing um, comprehensive sex education. Uh, they call it comprehensive sexuality education. But there's no sexuality education there. There's sex education. Going hmm. um, to start from primary school. And the first chapter is to desensitize children from all the nonsense their God-believing parents have taught them. That said, sex is sacred. is the left to marriage. They should be taught how to collect mud. The more clay there is, the better. So they can mold penises and mold vagina and fit the penis in the vagina so as to desensitize them from from all the stupid uh, things uh, they taught them about sex hmm. comprehensive sexuality education Lagos state find out from them and look at the curriculum they are going to be teaching the children all it takes is to have money Find teachers who want to teach it, and they, they, they come to workshop, they train them, they implement it. So find it also. Is there here? The secular humanists are infiltrating everywhere. Education, medicine, healthcare, law, everywhere. Just give them money. And you know, of course, the government in Nigeria is governed by impoverishment. Make everybody poor. So if you dangle five naira 
they will follow you. You think is you think is a joke. Government in Nigeria is government by impoverishment. Impoverish everybody. So you dangle five naira, they will follow you. You have enough crowd following you. And telling everybody, what are you disturbing this good man that is giving us by, by at least five naira? I came to Lagos to sign a memorandum in Harvey Street in Yaba. Yes. Where I parked my car, less than 50 yards. Three different people stopped me to beg money to eat. I said, please go and tell your local government councillor. If he can't solve it, get to Triple. Let me take you to your chairman. If he can't solve it, take the, let him take you to Sonwolu. If Sonwolu can't solve it, let him take you to Tinubu. They created this chaos that you are begging me. The way it's affecting you, the same way it's affecting me. If I give you money, the little one I have, it means I'm sanctioning this madness and I won't go to heaven. In conscience, even if I have a little beyond what I need to eat, I can't give it to you because it means I'm sanctioning this chaos in this country. That's how it is. That's how, how government it is in Nigeria. Okay. So they come and dangle this money. The the globalists are interested in impoverished people in Africa in the, the developing world. So they just dangle this money. Everybody follows them. Mm -hmm. And if you talk anything contrary, you have your colleagues attacking you like hell immediately. Who are you? It's becoming very That's obvious. Where we are. <laughs> okay, Dr. Okay. Ibe. Yes, I just wanted to um, build on what Professor Asuzo just said. Um, I would like people to look and um, look through the World Economic Forum. Um, the World Economic Forum is the face of the globalists to the very best that you can find them. Hmm. And there is a mantra, it may not be on the website anymore, but there's a model that they had, or the message that they gave to the world, which is, you will own nothing, but you will be happy. You will own nothing, but you, you will, will be, be happy. Yes. That's so, so pregnant. So that um, message mm. is behind what Professor Souza is describing for us, which is the deliberate impoverishment of the, the masses. It started with COVID because COVID really was a massive transfer of wealth hmm. much more than it was this um, health issue um, but what it what it has helped to usher in and what is being accelerated by the impoverishment of the deliberate impoverishment using financial fiscal monetary decisions that hmm. governments are implementing hmm. is to make um, to usher in Universal basic income. Mm. So when you have so universal many basic, basic income. income, exactly. Wow. So when you have so many poor people, and it really isn't fair that you know, with all the world's resources, that people have to you know suffer. They will suffer so much that when be, you give them from just government, accept. they will accept. And so it's, it's a lot easier now because of transfer cashless exactly straight to your account from the central bank wow so your universal basic income which will be dependent on your social credit score so you have to be a good boy and a good girl 
doing what government says so that you can get this universal basic income. And no matter what hunger, we'll actually send you to the gallows if you do not if you obey. Don't obey. And then, of course, this universal basic income will be accessed through biometric ver verification. So it's Which not you already cash. have now. Exactly. Connecting the dots. Connect the dots. <laughs> I'm trying to connect the dots. You're I mean. connecting that you just don't like what you're seeing. <laughs> 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 um, she ties your hand up again. Yes, what? Uncle Sarani. Go ahead. Um, a quick one. Let me just ask this question. And yes. I think um, Dr. Obi will be in the best position to answer it. Yes. Um, I, want, I want to know, when we were growing up, sir, we could see and probably we heard some good things, the WHO you know, was doing to Africa and even Nigeria. Hmm. But these days, we hardly know. Is there any good thing they've done so far? And if not, <laughs> can we even get out of that organization? Is it possible? God bless you, Mr. Shita. <laughs> Exit the WHO is the movement of the day. Exit the WHO. And right now, at the WHO last year, Contrary to what um, many people think about what happens in the WHA last year, the African delegates were actually the reason that the last set of amendments that were even more egregious than the ones that, was, uh, that were finally adopted were refused. The African delegates played a very big role in pushing back against this power grab by the WHO. And... Exit the WHO is the new message. You have countries, individuals in countries, groups coming together to push for their governments to exit the WHO. Because we are not, every country does not, uh, we are not bound to remain in the WHO. Hmm. We have, we have to, to, to follow, to, to, under, to explain the reason for why the WHO is functioning the way it is. Someone had mentioned it. That is, whoever pay, uh, pays the piper de it's, it's, uh, determines it's, it's, the tune. The sorry, WHO... can I take this call, please? Yes, please. Hello? Hello? Hello, good afternoon, Uncle Sonny. Good afternoon, how are you? Hi, my name is John, calling from Lekki. Yes, go ahead, please. I am here shaking, so afraid from all that I'm hearing. Hmm. And I just pray God to help us, because... All the um, movies that we have watched in the past about how the, somebody will come and want to rule the world, they just play in, in my face as mm. I hear what is being discussed. And I am really, really scared right now. Mm. I wish, and I have heard Dr. Obi, I think, say something that we should do within our cycle of influence. Unfortunately, again, even from our local government, our councillors, our senators and our House of Rep members, they all got their true cook and means. And we have heard that they are only interested in the SUVs and all. Would they listen to us? I think the plan to bring the minister even to the program, would he listen? Even when he listens and go to tell Tinubu that this is what the people are saying, would Tinubu listen? Especially that he's trying to win sympathy from the world government and leaders, 
over these credibility issues. I I am so afraid, especially for my children that are growing up. I am so so afraid, and I pray that the people. I don't know how I can get the message to the mass of the people because a lot of people don't even know. We are ignorant. I am hearing these things and I'm so afraid. And I can imagine the millions of Nigerians on the streets who they use for their violence. If you go to talk to them, will they understand what we're saying? And the politicians have them controlled right now, especially using that um, universal basic income um, approach. So it's difficult. I don't know where we're going to start from. But I can say to you that, as we'll say it in Pigeon, fear they catch me. <laughs> if there's anything that the people that know, all the professors, can do to disseminate this information, honestly, it will be a great, great, great way to go. I am so scared right now. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you so much for this program. Thank I you. wish this program can be uh, recorded. For us to share on WhatsApp group, well, it's, uh, so it's, it's recorded. I was trying to share with my classmates, but uh -huh. I didn't know how to share. Okay. Honestly, it's so so concerning. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, uh, Doctor Ide. Uh, one last question: Even if there is the fear that the last caller has just expressed, will there? Would I not stand a good ground to say? You serve now. You you they pay me money and they make them, but I will also lose in the process, wouldn't I? I'll be exposed to the danger, just like any other person. I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Okay, if I'm the protagonist and I'm giving money to keep quiet and look the other way, but I'll carry on giving the so-called whatever it is to the ordinary man on the street, it will affect me one way or the other, won't it? Of course. Of course because of money now, I just look the other way. Yes. Mumude is bell. Ah, goodness. Time is up. So I just beg you. Um, first, Dr. Michael Asuzu. 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 Professor Asuzu. Sir, did I get it correctly now? Just go on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for your we time. Know, we know it's me, your colleague. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for, for all the time you gave us. Professor Joshua Ojo, thank you so much. Thank you for all the time you've given us. Um, Dr. Ibe, Dr. Obi Ide, thank you so much. God bless you. Olushagun Chita, thank you so much. Um, God bless you too. Mrs. Beatrice Ezenwa, thank you so much. God bless you. Dr. Patrick Ijewere, you pushed me into all this. Thank you so much. God bless you. Honestly, it's been really, really good. It's one minute to end the show. And I can't help but say, this is the beginning of maybe greater things to come, but we really have to move. We will try to invite the Minister of Health. Honestly. Dr. Patrick. We'll keep, One last the, word. we'll keep pulling apart to get the word out, to get the minister present. Yeah. Please, anytime you hear any of these things, spread the word on all your all your groups. The critical mass is so important. I'll, I'll try to also share the recordings too. Thank you so much. 0818-414-6341. For, for resources. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now, everyone.